Okay, so welcome everyone to the Canadian Perspective. This is a uh, another, okay, this is another episode, an independent episode this time, a solo episode. And we got some stories from around the world and from here in Canada, finally. I've been talking a lot about Ukraine and Russia in the past, um, you know, a few episodes. Obviously, that's massive news, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. But uh, I hope everybody checked out the last episode we put out, the one with uh, our interview of uh, Member of Parliament, uh, NDP Member of Parliament, Nikki Ashton, which uh, I think went fantastic. And it was a great episode, especially um, our talk after the interview as well um, about the, the things we discussed there was also fantastic. So I hope you guys check that one out. Kind of miffed the upload, though. Yeah, that one was that was on me. Uh, miffed the upload, not. Not exactly the best episode to do that, but anyways. So, getting into the stories we're going to be covering, we're going to be talking about, um, of course, the new information that we have from Ukraine and Russia. I'm sure everybody wants to hear about that. Um, or maybe not, if you're bored of it. And then we got, um, we're going to be mentioning the conservative leadership race, which is underway now. We have four candidates in it. And people are slinging around insults, and uh, it's uh, entertaining. I mean, they're all terrible anyways. We might mention some stuff that's going on in BC. Who knows? See if I care enough to do that. Uh, And then we're going to talk about (laughs) house prices a little bit. That we found out that uh, the average house price in Canada is up 20% since last year. $816,720. That's the average house price in Canada. What the so those are the stories today and uh i hope you guys stick around and enjoy uh if you do enjoy it remember to rate the podcast five stars and download the episode anyways okay so getting into uh the recent developments from ukraine and russia so i'm sure if you've been paying attention to the news you've probably seen um the picture or video of the uh of the aftermath of a russian strike on a ukrainian maternity ward okay and you can see a woman and i think her child uh in a stretcher being carried out i will pull it up right away uh oh wait hold on before i do any of this i need to do something so this is from um the very accurate news channel cnn (laughs) uh and see they were mentioning it and they got some pictures i don't care enough to actually why are we buffering to actually like go through (laughs) and find the actual like original one but this is just to get an idea of what we're talking about here uh oh here we go audio for we don't know this woman's name but we can see a desperate effort to rescue her from the devastation of mariupol's maternity hospital she's hurt there are terrible injuries down her right side she appears oh, dazed by the enormous blast that hit here only moments before, but she's conscious and clearly concerned for her baby. At another yeah. medical facility, doctors worked to save them as their condition deteriorated. Surgeon Tima Marin says they tried to resuscitate yeah, the woman while also performing a cesarean delivery. They couldn't revive her or her child. They yep. both died. It's unfortunate. Russian officials claimed the hospital was being used by Ukrainian troops and all civilians had left before the attack. So that's a classic. So that, okay. 
I didn't know about that last part about Russian uh, troops claiming that they were using the hospital. That's a classic uh, Israeli um, uh, f- thing that the Israeli military says. They go and they strike uh, residential areas and then they say, oh, the, uh, the Palestinian, whatever the fuck they're called, was it Hamas? Hamas is, <laughs> I should know that, Hamas is in the area, or Hamas was operating out of the residential area, so, you know, we had to strike them, and uh, there definitely weren't any civilians there, so don't worry about that. Um, so that's this is pretty sickening, right? Yeah, she didn't make it, which is very unfortunate. So that was gross. Also, this is hitting a hospital with an airstrike, that's a classic United States move, right? They, uh, I think in the Iraq war, or was it in Afghanistan, one of those, they, you know, they would strike hospitals, especially a Red Cross hospital that they hit one time. I'm going to fact check that, I'm going to back up my story. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So uh, on 3rd October 2015, U.S. airstrikes struck and destroyed a trauma hospital in Kunduz, Afghanistan, killing 42 people. Uh, so, you know, that's a classic. That's a classic. It was a United States Air Force AC-130U gunship attacked the Kunduz Traumatic Center. So the reason why I'm saying this is because we all point and we go, oh, my God, that's so terrible. That is. And it is. And it is. I'm not trying to say that it's not terrible it is disgusting and it is terrible but like and also uh you know these are tactics that you know the united states or things maybe not exactly tactics but things the united states has done uh as well uh because they're bad too like they're all fucking bad okay everybody's everybody's bad we also just had a, a missile from the Ukraine just uh, killed, what, six people or something in the Ukrainian, uh, in the Crimean region, in Donbass. And it killed a whole bunch of people who were waiting up, like, lining up for um, an ATM. You know, but of course that is nothing compared to the number of civilians that the Russians have killed with their airstrikes. And we've shown multiple of those videos uh, on the show as well. And it's just, obviously... All war crimes are bad, is what I'm trying to say, okay? All war crimes are bad, and they should all be reported. That's all I'm trying to say. So, yes, we also had in massive, like, a real blow to the Russian economy. McDonald's has announced they are temporarily closing 850 restaurants in Russia. Rip. Rest in pasta, McDonald's. I don't know how the Russian economy, how the Russian people are going to continue. Uh... That is unbelievable (laughs) that a second tier fucking fast food restaurant. What? Russian McDonald's fan chains himself to eatery in order and attempt to prevent closing. Yo, what the fuck? Yo, what the fuck am I looking at? From (laughs) Baza. Video of a man from Baza reportedly handcuffs at the local McDonald's. Uh, wild footage shows Lucas Safranov yelling, clo- quote, closing down is an act of hostility against me and my fellow citizens. Um, okay, apparently people aren't taking it well. Uh, <laughs> okay, I did not know that story. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's great. They're not taking it well. Um, and so far, what's going on in the conflict? So in the conflict, there's been a fourth round of negotiations and they have resulted in nothing, nothing really. Uh, there's been uh, the, the people, the negotiators have said, oh, you know, it's been more 
I don't know. They've been more open, or it's gone a little bit better, but this still the end result has been nothing. No actual results, material results yet, uh, which is not good because this war is claiming a lot of lives right now. Um, and something also to keep in mind, you know, gas prices have hit an all-time high. What was it, $1. seventy right now? And it's extremely frightening. How expensive fucking gas is almost as bad as as when it was in in 2008 right after the great recession uh oil prices and gas uh, gasoline went up uh, extremely high too so this is kind of that's the only other period of time i can think of where gas prices were this goddamn high but um what's something else to keep in mind is that russia and ukraine are responsible for more than a quarter of global wheat exports and for around 80 percent of the world's supply of sunflower oil so <laughs> You can see that going up as well. Uh, maybe not necessarily for Canada because we make so much goddamn wheat, right? But for other nations who uh, do not, specifically other nations that would trade uh, with Russia that are in Europe, you might see an increase in the supply of bread or the price of bread and shit like that. Um, so, and even then, even if we did do a lot of trading of wheat with, uh, like, actually importing wheat from Russia, uh, bread is. Um, our, the Canadian government keeps the price of bread stable by subsidizing it, so that's not that much of an issue here. But uh, uh, when it comes to fertilizer, however, Russia and Belarus are around provide around 15% globally. That's also not good. Um, yeah. And actually, now I do have the map. Now I do have the map that I mentioned uh, not too long ago about uh, the Russian invasion. And uh, the animated map. Ooh, nice. So you see here, the, my display is... Hold on. There we go. So you see here how the Russian troops came in from the Donbass region. They came down from Belarus. They, and they came from Russia, of course. And their attack of the country. So, And apparently so far, 3 million people have fled Ukraine. That's according to the UN. And also something that interesting that's going on is the, the leaders of Czechoslovakia, sorry, Czech, the Czech Republic, Slovenia, and Poland, the prime ministers of those nations have personally traveled into Ukraine uh, to meet with Zelensky personally to have a meeting there. And uh, even though it's a, a, an active war zone, and that's uh, very dangerous, um, I guess that's commendable that they decided to do that. Uh, and also, I think, what, other recent news, Zelensky said, yeah, we're just not, we're not going to be in NATO. <laughs> Ukraine's not going to join NATO. That's just how it is. Like, yeah, we kind of already knew that, uh, at, like, for a while. We've kind of already known that one, buddy. But anyways, so... Enough of that. Let's go on to something that I didn't mention. A South Korean warship fired a warning shot at a North Korean warship uh, recently. I think it was only five days ago. A South Korean military ship has fired warning shots at a North Korean patrol vessel after it violated a maritime border. So apparently there was some... Um, there was a North Korean fishing boat that violated the maritime border first. And then a North Korean... Uh, the North Korean warship patrol boat was f followed the North Korean fishing boat. Uh, and then I guess they were like, like, I don't know if they're trying to contact the North Korean fishing boat and say, hey, yo, bro, you're going a little bit too far out. Uh, but basically, 
yeah, so the North Korean ship violated and went past the maritime border and South Korean South Korea's ship fired a warning shot, warning shots, multiple. And it's like, we don't need this right now, guys. We don't we don't need this right now. OK, we see China eyeing Taiwan, too. Um, this is not the right situation time or situation. I mean, it's never the right time, but but come on. We already got so much on our plate. We just finished COVID. We just finished COVID. Oh, I guess, you know, everybody now is getting out of their house and like, well, let's start a war. Fuck it. Let's start a war. Um, so not good news. Also, apparently recent news, what was it? The previous nuclear test site that was demolished, I think, three or four years ago in North Korea. It appears that new construction has begun in that area. So it's likely that North Korea has begun its nuclear program again. And you know what? Hopefully I don't have to eat my words, but uh, I'm not too worried about that. I mean, I wouldn't personally be too worried about that because... Well, personally, of course, we're not worried because we wouldn't be in the missile's radius anyways. But uh, unless if they somehow develop ICBMs, which is very unlikely. Um, but why would why does North Korea want nukes? And everybody knows why North Korea wants nukes. It's as a deterrent. The same reason why everybody wants a nuclear weapon or other nations that were trying to pursue it in the 80s. Um, or you know during the cold war it's it's a deterrent so that way you can't get fucking invaded okay and if the united states it's the hasanabi doctrine if the united states uh says uh you have nuclear weapons and you don't you better fucking find some nuclear weapons okay because they're gonna invade your ass if the united states says hey hand over your nuclear weapons don't don't do that um and if the United States says we're going to invade you, get, get some nukes, okay, and then and then fire them off, like test them just to show that you have them, and that will pretty much save your ass, okay. Uh, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, other than the fact that North Korea doesn't have any oil, but still, why North Korea hasn't been just been taken out is the idea that they they might have nukes. Um, yeah, and they could just explode Seoul. South Korea, or just launch on China, on Japan, which they demonstrated, uh, I think, not too long ago, maybe it was a year or two ago, where they fired a missile over Japan into the water. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> it was pretty risky, man. You better make sure that uh, the uh, the stages on that missile are, are, you know, properly have enough fuel and shit, because you don't want to fucking land, missile lands right in the center of Kyoto, and you just <laughs> blows up and starts the war uh, accidentally, a big oopsie there. Um, so, you know, things aren't going well worldwide when it comes to, uh, foreign issues, right? But now, I just knocked over my mic. Now, let's go to Canada, right? We have a conservative leadership race, right? As you know, Aaron O'Toole, he was kicked out. He was booted out of the leadership role on February 2nd, 2022, because the caucus in the House of Commons said, 73 said get the hell out of here and 45 said keep him that's not that close you know i i i i don't think the reason why the conservatives lost was necessarily because of his fault the people who voted liberal were i'm assuming were largely the same people who voted liberal the last time it's just this wasn't the time for uh, a new election to be called right this wasn't the time 
people hadn't changed their minds yet, right? They shouldn't have called the fucking election because people hadn't changed their minds yet since the last election. So it was a stupid idea to do that. Um, and, uh, and the liberals wanted more of those seats. Well, they made a dumb calculation, a wrong calculation, and, uh, and nothing changed. So I don't think that's, it was necessarily Aaron O'Toole's fault with that. Um, and especially after this whole trucker movement, uh, if the election took place after this, I don't think, I think they would have done much worse. In fact, the conservatives, um, but yes, so he's no longer the leader. And right now the interim leader is Candace Bergen, who's a whole, you know, psycho, but, uh, currently we have four people in the race. All right. We have Ottawa area member of parliament, Pierre Polivier, and he's considered the front runner. Okay. And we got some more information about him. We got some infighting between him and another member. Uh, the former 2020 leadership candidate, Leslie Lewis, who I've never heard of, um, the MPP, Roman Barber, independent Ontario owner, this, the independent member of parliament or whatever the fuck, Roman Barber, and then Jean Charest, who's a former Quebec premier, uh, which is very interesting, right? A former premier of the province running for a leadership. And what happened was... Okay, Patrick Brown also is a, a leadership candidate, too. I don't know what the fuck that is. Brampton, Ontario Mayor Patrick Brown. Did I already say his name earlier? What the hell am I? Am I losing my mind? Okay, well, no, I didn't. So Brampton Mayor, whatever, Ontario, Patrick Brown. I'm out of it today, okay? He has been attacking Pierre Polyvier because Polyvier introduced some, some, like, thing for immigration or whatever. Uh, to make things easier for people to immigrate. And then Patrick Brown came out of nowhere and said, uh, what? That you shouldn't be tabling any sort of immigration-related things because you supported, when he was the, uh, when he was an MP, he supported the proposed NECOB ban at uh, citizenship ceremonies and a ho- supported a hotline to report, quote, barbaric cultural practices such as sexual slavery or honor killings. <laughs> what? <laughs> he supported having that? Which were two elements of the 2015 conservative election platform. Yo, they had that in the fucking platform? Oh my god. On one hand, these are all disgusting. On the other hand, it's part of the platform, so it's like understandable that if you're a member of the party, you might be whipped into supporting the platform, right? But like, wow, that's some disgusting shit they put in there. They, we should have a hotline, man, in case uh, to report, you know, the vast and uh, constant, uh, quote, barbaric cultural practices, um, sexual slavery that ungo- that is, you know, very common in Canada, as we all know, and the quote-unquote honor killings that also are so common we need a fucking hotline for. Yeah. It's really uh, accurate, really uh, pertinent issue that people were facing in 2015, as we all know. Uh, fucking idiot. And Paul, if you're actually defending it, actually, he brought... This uh, this brown guy, he brought the receipts. He said on October 15, there's a press conference during that year's election campaign where Paul Vivier defended the policy of forcing Muslim women to remove the niqab while they recite the oath of citizenship. And then literally days after that conference, a federal court judge overturned the niqab ban, saying the policy violates the Citizenship Act, which states citizenship judges must allow the greatest possible religious freedom when administering the oath. 
And so, like, that obviously flies right in the face of that. What a fucking idiot for trying to pass that. Anyways. <laughs> Polivier hit back, said, hit back at Brown and said his opponent, his opponent is someone who, quote, lies a lot. There you go. He said that, that he lying in his attacks on the Harper government because they partly never advocated for an outright niqab ban, but rather for limits of the, on the veil at citizenship ceremonies. Well, okay. Yeah, it is kind of, you are, yeah, well, it is a ban on, you know, wearing it at citizenship ceremonies, you know, and that literally was against the citizen act, citizenship act, I can't pronounce it. And Paul Vier said, uh, he describes himself as a, quote, strong supporter of immigration and equality. Yes. Yes, as we just saw with the things you supported. Genius. Genius. Now, somebody who I expected to see in the race, and I was wondering why he, I hadn't heard his name yet, was Peter McKay, who is uh, somebody who ran, uh, who came second place in the last leadership race with 42.98% uh, of points. I don't know why they, points, is that votes? I don't know. In the third round, they went to a third round of voting. And, uh, and that's what it ended up being. That's, uh, so it was pretty close. And McKay was the leader of the Progressive Conservatives when the party merged with the Canadian Alliance to form the Conservative Party of Canada back in 2006, I believe. So he ruled out his run for conservative leadership. And he said he's not going to be running for it. And he's mentioned he's still paying off debt for the last attempt at the run. I'm assuming for the campaign funds and almost the exorbitant amount of money you have to pay in order to sue the Conservative Party in order to run for leadership. It's like a fucking insane amount. What was it? Uh, $300,000 entrance fee. Wow, dude. That made it the most. That was the last leadership race they had in August of 2020. And that made it the most expensive leadership race in the history of Canadian politics. 300 fucking K. What the fuck? In comparison, uh, the 2017 New Democratic Party leadership election, candidates had to pay an entry fee of $30,000 and spend no more than one point. Okay, well, that's not what we're talking about, okay? But $30,000 was the entrance fee in comparison in order to run for the New Democratic Party leadership. Um, whereas for the conservatives, it was <laughs> times 10, 300,000. Wow. I mean, that really shows you, you know, the target demographic, the people that they're going to be ruling on behalf of, you know, basically have to be a member of the uh, a rich club in order to fucking run for their leadership. That's insane. So that's what's going on there. And also something to mention earlier was that the average Canadian house price has hit $816,720. And that is ridiculously high which is up 20 percent in the past year this is according to the canadian real estate association some 40 58,000 homes changed hands during the month and a surge in new listings in the later half of the month suggests that momentum may carry over into strong sales in march too all right okay well the crea says the average so this is boring as fuck okay average selling price can be misleading since it's skewed by sales in big expensive markets like toronto and vancouver Simply removing those two cities, the outliers, from the numbers shaves more than 178,000 off the average. That would make it about, what, 690,000, 695,000 is the average price then? 
But that metric is going up at its fastest pace on record of 29% since last year. It's increased at 3.5% in the month of February alone. Also the biggest monthly jump on record. So dude, house prices are just getting, are just going up at an insanely high rate. And they're already ridiculously high already. It's, if you're a first time homebuyer, you're trying to get into that market, like good fucking luck because you're getting screwed. A lot of that is because of foreign investment into the housing and real estate market, which uh, they buy these foreign investors, they buy these houses, they buy these properties, and they never sell them to people. And they just sit on them and wait for them to accrue because accrue, you know, for them to accrue in value because, I mean, it's a better investment than the stock, any sort of stock really, like a guaranteed uh, increase really in the housing prices unless the government kind of steps in and says this is too ridiculous which they haven't said that they're going to do so it's just like the growth is just going to keep on going it's insane so that's terrible if you're a canadian citizen trying to buy a house and that is all the stories i brought this is a super fast one but uh i'm kind of out of it today so you know this is kind of how it is but anyways guys i hope you guys enjoyed um, I'm gonna download the podcast and do all that shit. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> that was a Canadian perspective. Signing off. Goodbye.